0: Welcome to Boom Talk Studios on an overcast day. Overcast Friday afternoon. Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 11, Number 107 overall. Your faithful host here, Ken Harlan. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme music used in these podcasts. Thank the folks at Road and Zoom for providing... Wonderful tools for con- for content creation all around the world. Hey, bro, we got our eye on you. That new Roadcaster Pro 2 looks pretty snazzy, all sexy with the new design and the upgraded features. Definitely, hey, somebody out there, bro, if you're hearing, I'd love to swap mine out for a new one. You want to sponsor the podcast? ftinfx at gmail.com. Want to come on, same thing, drop me a line, say hey, reach me on Facebook, meet me for a pint, whatever the case may be. Okay, folks, let's get to it. You know where we're going. The COVID Chronicles. Well, well, well. Cases are up, but reaction... Is pretty mild and non-existent. No panic. No concern. Big parties, big events. Meanwhile, the the clearers out there now that it's warm, sitting in the out on the park bench with a big igloo right of the HGH, and you know the the, the tray full of clear cream, Diana ball, all those things that are keeping it on the fringe of our landscape. And obviously, it wasn't a traumatic week in sports as far as COVID impacts are concerned. It's still lingering around nonetheless. What do we have? We have, this is kind of bizarre. We'll talk a little bit more in The Night Full of Diamonds with the whole Josh Danielson. That's right, Josh Danielson of the Yankees and this whole Jackie Gate thing. He somehow mysteriously is on the COVID-19 after being in a racially tinged incident with the White Sox. I mean, you know, so I don't know. Maybe he did contract it or or they're just kind of trying to hope that this thing will blow over as I, you know, will reiterate, Kind of a bad excuse if you're using COVID to disguise somebody being a jerk. And it's really debatable how much of a jerky actually was being. But we'll get to that later. As far as what I think are actual COVID impacts, let's start with the Twins. They placed their rookie star starting pitcher, Joe Ryan. He's joined the list after testing positive. You have a pair of Royals with center fielder Kyle Isabel and relief pitcher Amir Garrett being added to the list. The Guardians' ongoing problems with the continue is... Framiel Reyes was added to this COVID-19 list. You also have the White Sox and Luis Robert also being added to the list. And Rockies relief pitcher, Robert Stevenson, as well. So you've got that going as far as MLB is being the one American sport this week that had major impacts. Of course, that's not telling us what might be going on in the minor leagues or lower tiers of sport because Heck, nobody puts any information as far as those leagues or organizations are concerned. I can't tell you as far as across the way over at Roland Garros for the French Open. Yeah, the second major on the, on the tennis grand slam circuit. Number two, Barbara Krychikova was forced to exit this week after testing positive. Obviously, Got to protect everybody, and, you know, maybe the unvaccinated Joker passed it to her. Who knows? <laughs> right, right. But the case may be number two, has to withdraw. Uh, bad break for her. Over there, as far as the senior U.S. Open that's supposed to be, not supposed to be, is going on this weekend, Steve Stricker, he's out as he tested positive for covid Hope my man, Mr. Stricker, stays safe there. He's, you know, some of us older folks, a little bit more susceptible to having some long-term complications. So we hope he's a smooth ride and he's getting all the good treatment that's needed. Okay. So, like I said, not a lot going on, but it allows us to ask a couple of questions to round this segment out. And the first one would be, as we head into year three of COVID, how will the decisions of the Kyries, Kirk Cousins, and other prominent athletes who have refused to be vaccinated, what's that going to look like? Same with, you know, on the college campuses, you know, anywhere where you have a locker room dy- dynamic, and even in competitions, you know, where it's more the individual sport. Now that we've had three years, we've had wisdom, we have knowledge, we have vaccines, we have protocols we should have a roadmap or a blueprint regarding how to go about these things. What's it going to look like? Well, I think it's going to get pretty interesting, as Kyrie's situation sort of points, out, points to, where you would think Brooklyn would, given its talent, want to run it back with him. But you get the sense, at least reading the tea leaves through the media,
1: they're not so, they're, they're
0: not really down with bringing him back because of the pain in the ass him being not vaccinated. I wonder about a quarterback like a Kirk Cousins. What kind of pressure is that going to be put on him? And what happens? Should he come down with COVID-19 during an important stretch run of this 22, 20, I mean 2022 upcoming season? And, you know, what kind of trust Do you have with folks, if you're a Cole Beasley, who's refused to get vaccinated, are teams going to be reluctant to bring you on, even though you're one of the better slot receivers in the game? Yes, and what are the leagues, if you're the colleges? Are you going to have, you've talked tough before and have wavered, but in year three, what is it going to look like if games somehow had to be canceled? And the numbers suggest things are going up, right? I mean, nobody's alarmed. I think it has to do with being vaccinated for the most part as a population and developing some size of herd immunity, why we're not having hardcore hospitalizations. But with the big summer of competitions, concert tours, fish tours starts tonight, for example, are we walking into a summer of super spreader events? Because this is really the first real summer of being. I'm back! We back, bitches! Because everything that's been postponed, like the world championships, will be here very soon. In the World Cup later in the year. Big summer. And unlike past couple of years where it's been a hodgepodge of being there being masked up none of that's going to be happening so a whole new reality and it's going to be interesting when we get to about 100 days from now what it all looks like because we're going to have a better sense all right folks we will be back with the 43k view on the other side Welcome back to Foxtrot in a Foxhole. Season 4, episode 11, number 107 overall. Alright, it's early in the afternoon. A little bit cloudy. So I think we'll just leave the Gulfstream 550 parked and instead fire up the drones for the high view above the campuses of America this week. So what do we got going on? Well, when we last spoke, we were talking about Saban, Jimbo, and Neon Dion, all showing that BDE. Yeah, it's, you know, the land of the outlaws, NIL, and Transfer Portal. Well, fortunately, the talk kind of quieted down. Oh, it's per- it's still simmering in the pot. But I think that with all the fireworks last week, and you know, I'll leave it to Lane Kiffin, He's probably thinking, Man, how come I ain't getting no props? And, you know, he's been somebody who has been on the sidelines, even prior to this, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, you know, always sort of putting a little kerosene on the uh, up, up on the flame just to get, you know, a reaction. And, I mean, I love that he has his take in terms of, you know, is, you know, the big dogs, guys like Jimbo and Saban, obviously, who can offer lots of NIL, right? The, the, the limitations coming from them, even I think as far as Saban goes in terms of, you know, Alabama's a power. But when you start talking about, like, you know, Texas oil and... If if if, if Silicon Valley gave a crap about college sports, imagine what Cal and Stanford can do. We obviously know what Nike can do for a school like Oregon, and you know some of the other other uh, programs that they have helped build, prop up as well, and the Oregon model. Anyway, Jimbo claims he only gave out one NIL deal for this year's recruiting class. What do we think about that? I don't think about it. I mean I love all of these guys and like I said we're talking the big dogs trying to get out front and just say our program stands you know for stands alone. We don't have to like bribe people to come to our program when you know they've been doing that long before this, but now that's out in the open, egos are getting bruised. I mean we talked about that kid Addison you know for weeks. They were going offer, to offer, I don't know what USC did to, to land Caleb and him. You know, Lincoln, Riley, and people, it's legal. So we beat this thing to death over, over the past three years or so. But that said, I know it makes me laugh. That You know, you try to tell me, you, yeah, you're not offering the NIL deal. But the boosters are, you remember that movie, um, Blue Chips? Yeah, with Nick Nolte and Shaq and Penny Hardaway and blah, blah, blah. But when the guy comes up to Marcus Johnson and goes, oh, it's just friends of the park. It's just friends of the program. When friends of the program can, can operate behind the curtain and, yeah. And the wonderful language that the lawyers and agents come up with. <laughs> I mean, of course you're offering a you are offering we sweetheart deal, but friends of the program are. And you can sit there and act all high and mighty. And the NCAA and its whole, well, we're going to do retroactive punishments. I'd love to see it because I'm sure we would have a, we'd have a jacket about, I don't know, maybe five encyclopedia volumes worth of just people illing and doing things that would even shock a cynical, you know, a lot like what I belong to. I don't know. Okay. Let's see, how else we have here? I think it was really funny that, uh, speaking of Jimbo and Nick, a a Texas A&M recruit, transfers to bama i i forget what the kid's name is but why did he drop on twitter i think it was we at war bitches as much as i disdain the, the new normal some of the comedy and the sound bites uh, coming coming out of this i you know i'd be a curmudgeon if i was if i if i didn't you know get a chuckle And some good humor from it. A lot of funny stuff going on there. Um, Okay. Kirby Smart. Yeah, that Kirby Smart. What do you think about it? Delivers a national championship. Breaks up St. Nick's reign. He's about to get the big bag. They're talking. Nobody's speaking numbers yet. What do you all think he's going to get? You figure since it was the first national championship in Athens since 1980, and knocking Saint Nick and the boys next door in Alabama down a peg, you figure he's probably gonna get you know a nice 10-year extension because he just signed one what four years ago that was pretty fat. But now that you delivered you know the natty, you gotta figure you know, they'll probably extend him to what 2033. I just got to wonder what the number is in terms of what he'll be making a year. Yeah, I know. The WSM scream and yell. This is why we shouldn't have one complaint against NIL and the transfer portal. And I say it's an, it, it's an oranges, to raisins kind of argument. But go on, WSM. Keep doing what it is that you do. Okay. Are we surprised? Speaking of Georgia to be smart, you know, like to, you know, segue these things together like a good set list. You think about all the backlash with Herschel Walker, yes, that Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy winner as a freshman at the University of Georgia back in 1980. Hey, when they last won the national championship until this year, I mean, to are the primary in the GOP, of course, and people just really f- losing their mind. You know, obviously, someone like me who follows social media platforms and some of the chatter that you pick up in, in other platforms and mediums. Um, you know, I, this is just strictly from the sports community of folks that are getting chastised because they put bulldogs first and will support their man you know, because he's pulled off for life. I get that sort of thing. Not necessarily the wisest thing to make your political uh, choices on, but when it comes to loyalty down there, and I'm sure when the time comes when one of these Bama boys wants to run for a major office in that state, the same effect will happen. I mean, obviously he's going to have to be pretty big. if you were old enough to remember the era of Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker, those guys were larger than life, and so it's not surprising, even in a state like Georgia, that you are getting you know people of all walks of life who are just like saying,
1: "I remember Herschel."
0: You got that husband, yo. That was our quarterback, Buck Ballou. Hey, I remember those. I, I remember that stuff. Anyway. Yeah, I just thought it was funny to watch people really melting down as far as, you know, separating the man from the politician that's Trump's buddy and is, you know, trying to get this right-wing spree. The guy's been pretty successful, you know, in his post-football life, but yet you have this certain group that's supposed to be um, appreciative of of the hard work of folks, but instead want to belittle him that he's some illiterate tool for for the right, which, if you know about him, he's a little bit more than that. You don't have to agree with his politics, and I think you should be able to separate the politics from what the guy accomplished on the football field. Call me crazy. Call me wild. That's just how I see it. Okay. How about the Sugar Bowl? yeah, I know it was a connection to the South again, you know speaking of you know UGA Herschel. How about the Sugar Bowl being moved out of prime time this year because of a conflict with the Almighty NFL? Well, I guess it turns out that New Year's Day is on Sunday 123 and the NFL season now that it's so long, Big game. It's probably just that won't determine you know, wild card, all kinds of seating still at that point. One would think when you get down to week 17 and 18. And so, yes, the folks in the French Quarter will be getting their party on. At, instead of getting their party in the quarter on and going to the game, which is usually in prime time, they'll be down in bloodies, screwdrivers, and beignets, at probably seven or eight in the morning for that noon kickoff. Still should be some fun. Okay. We're just having way too much fun over here. Uh let's see, what do we have from the bad behavior narrative? So okay, we have Cal swim coach. A legend of the Philip, mind you. You know, I guess you'd say the dean of her profession. Well, she's been suspended indefinitely or put on that administrative leave. Why? Because of the abusive Bullying narrative. And this always falls back to what we've been talking about during the duration of this podcast. Having a newer approach as opposed to this old school. You, you know, the Bobby Knight, badass, tough guy. I mean, I'm guessing since she's, she's like the dean of a sport, maybe we'll start using her as as the archetype but you can get away with that anymore, folks. And I get that her supporters will say, well, look, you have to have a little tough love with these snowflakes. Shouldn't her accomplishments speak for themselves? And I say her accomplishments do speak for themselves, but th- in this era, it's no longer acceptable. It's just no compromise. You cannot be that way with today's athlete and especially the amount of empowerment that they have been able to achieve during COVID and the social justice revolution that took place concurrently with it. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. We'll be back with that when we get more details around the, around the country and our drones were flying. What else did we see? UVA wins the men's championship Stanford, Beats the Stanford ladies. Beat our lady ducks here. And boo hoo hoo. They take the uh, ladies NCAA golf championship. Men are doing that this weekend. Oklahoma softball, 52 and 2, making a statement about dominance in coll- collegiate sports. Should be getting more props. What are they? This would be their fifth national championship if they want, if, if they succeed for how many times they've won, you know, the Big 12. I was looking at their accomplishments. I mean, really an outstanding group of, of student-athletes and what they've achieved. Tennessee still number one as far as baseball goes. However, the Cardinal is in the third spot. Virginia Tech's two and Oregon State falls to four. Maryland Terps are still alive on the cross, but the last time I looked over my shoulder earlier, the undefeated Lady Tar Heels were in trouble, losing to Northwestern. Okay, folks, that's what's happening high above campus, flying in our drone this week. Now it's time to flip on to something cool on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trading in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 11, 107 overall, looking at a little NFL live. Anyways, time for one of our favorite segments, something you should probably know, or things that went on in the world of sports in the past week that you might care about. Well, the major championship last weekend, as we were telling you, we were at the halfway point. And how did the weekend end up? We had another one of those classic, you know, like Arnold Palmer did at Cherry Hills back in 1960, rally from seven down as the field falls apart. Yeah, that happened. Justin Thomas storms back from seven strokes behind to capture the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. And, of course, we'll always remember Mr. Piero's Collapse Kind of reminiscent of, of Juan Valverde many years ago in the Open. Yeah, I mean you go to the you know the 18th tee, the 272nd hole, blah blah blah, you know all that good stuff, and you know <laughs> the 272nd hole, the 72nd hole, and yeah, bogey and just fall fall hit the water can't get it together to make the playoff and you're sitting there just bewildered you know it was sad to see but these things happen you know that's why when you have a chance and he didn't shoot that well in the final round anyways right there were many opportunities where you don't leave it on the 18th which was playing I think the hardest hole of the course for the tournament and you know lo and behold and you know Thomas and Sack Salatoris, great playoff but you know, obviously when you, you, you come back from seven down, you're feeling it. You know, Will Salatoris was you know put up a good show, but in the end, yeah, props to Mr. Thomas winning the second major of the year. Um, you know, Rory melted down. Okay. Rory boy. was you know, how do I say this? I've been saying it for a while too. If you've been listening to this podcast. You know, about this wave of major champions going back the last 10 years. You know, these guys get on a hot streak, win two or three majors in a row, then disappear. And Rory is one of those guys that he occasionally will give you that that flash of what made him great, you know, back in 2014, 2015, you know, whatever the hell it was. And you saw that over the weekend. As on the last podcast, he was lighting it up. And I think as you got to the weekend and it sort of got away from him, his frustrations really bubbled over. Saw with Jordan Smith more agony. Brooks Koepka, he he seems like he's bouncing back from an injury. He didn't look too happy out there. Point being is, yeah, you know, these people who all are supposed to be the next Tiger or the next, Major, uh, I don't know, dominant player in the sport all seem to have a quick moment and then money, pressure, women, whatever the case may be, they seem to kind of fade right back into the pack. Just saying. And there's a lot of people that fit into that category right now. All right. Great weekend of golf even if they were charging $8 for a Michelin Ultra. Over an F1, Spanish Grand Prix, gee, rinse, wash, and repeat. Mad Max for stepping. Mr. Hamilton finishes fifth. Still kind of just like, bad car, got other things to talk about. So yeah, it's really been about Mad Max. This is far. Ryan Blaney wins the NASCAR All-Star Race at Charlotte. Scott Dixon takes the pole for the Indianapolis 500. They'll be this weekend, reaching speeds of 234 miles an hour on his magic run. You get the pole. Pretty cool there. Over on the boxing side of the universe, you've got Canelo. That's right, coming off of that defeat. He says now he will complete the the trilogy with Triple G and then stage a rematch with Bibble. Makes sense. I like that kind of steward approach. Given that boxing, you know, like NASCAR, hasn't completely faded away, but you really have to be paying attention to know anything's going on. And having some bouts that we can look forward to, and, you know, anytime Canelo steps in the ring, it Definitely um, energizes certain fan bases. So, yeah, two big fights with Canelo in the next year. We got no problem with that in the actual ring. Alim Alemhani wins the WBO middleweight belt via technical knockout of Danny Dingham in the second round in Vegas. A lot going on in Vegas this weekend, obviously, with UFC fight night going on at the Apex. And the big story there would be the matchup of on weights that we were talking about a little bit last week. Ketlin Vieira stunning Holly Holm via decision. Now, this was supposed to be Holm's coming back party as far as being a force in the MMA world. Yeah, it to be a little bit harder now. I guess the fight of the night was in the Weights that saw Santiago Bebo winning by decision over Michael Vieira. Okay. Then we have something that I thought was interesting. We're always bringing up equal pay when it's applicable, at least as far as my perspective is concerned. And, you know, I think we saw something this week that sort of understands the gap and and why the ladies should be irritated and why they need to continue their fight nonstop. So I'm always bringing up what happens at auction. So Serena broke her record as one of her cards was was recently auctioned off, this is trading cards, mind you, for two hundred seventy thousand dollars, which is a record, and she held the old record. I think it was one hundred ninety eight before that. Watching perspective. I've told you about some of the ridiculous numbers on the men's side of the equation, but just for perspective, a flawed one of a kind Brady rookie card just went for three hundred ninety six k at auction. This is a flawed Brady rookie card versus to Serena setting the standard for women at $270,000 for a trading card. Just something we're keeping an eye on and making note of. And obviously, when it comes to the ongoing story of Brittany Greiner, you saw her wife and others pushing for President Biden and Vice President Harris to take more action. Yeah, I, I, it, it, at this point, it's got it's kind of ridiculous when you think about the crime, or if it's a crime in your mind. It apparently, is in Russia. Yeah, um, yeah, it's getting to that point, and I don't blame the folks. And we'd like to see more athletes who have been quick to grab the mic and say their mind and put more pressure on this current administration to to, to get some action done. Reasonable enough, one has to think, as far as, what are we at, 100 days and counting? Okay, speaking of the WNBA, what do we got going on there? We got some power rankings, actually, to talk of. So, Las Vegas Aces 1, Sun 2, not surprising there, Sky 3, right, defending champs and all that good stuff. Mystics 4, Storm 5. New York Liberty, where are you? Where are you, Sabrina? Not in the top five, apparently. Okay, folks, that's what's happening for this segment. We'll be back with the NBA beat on the other side. back to Fox Trading in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 11, 107 overall. Your faithful host, Ken the Hair. time for some NBA Beat. Let's see, what do we got here? Let's start off with the all-NBA teams that were announced this week. And the news would be, obviously, Luca Joker, and Giannis being first-teamers, KD being a second-teamer, and LBJ, yeah, that's right, LeBron James, a third-teamer. So, the obvious question comes to mind when you listen to the talking heads. Has the torch been passed? Hmm. Well, watching these playoffs and kind of seeing, you know, how they've transpired, I'm going to say no. I think the next-gen is really banging on the door on the threshold of kicking the damn thing down and and overrunning the current group of superstars. But I think the superstars aging, slowed by injuries, they're still gonna have something to say in the next two or three NBA campaigns before the next gen completely takes over. But they are definitely kicking the door and the door is moving, (laughs) but it hasn't completely gave way yet. That's just my opinion. Disagree? F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Love to hear from you. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, right? Because when you watch, when you think about the torch being passed and you see that commercial with Spike Lee and uh, the actress Indigo Saw Hubbard, you know, OG and New G going back and forth. And you look at, you know, the people that that she sort of counters with Spike going over the greats of the last three years or so that kind of like helped make the Nike legend. And, yeah, there's a lot of potential there. And she could be right that we haven't seen anything yet. But that's the whole point. We're yet to see that. And so, well, you know, Spike Lee, you know, why do you represent in that commercial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the torch hasn't been passed completely yet. But as I keep saying, definitely kicking on the door. Okay, still no co- like, still no coach in Lakerland. Should Laker Nation be concerned? Yeah. As you know, I'm a Laker fan and part of Laker Nation and all that sh- stuff that goes along with it. Um, I'll just be brief about this. I think some of the rumors that I'm hearing that LeBron and Clutch love for Doc to come to LA while management is leaning towards either a Darvin Ham or a Terry Stott. If you're a fan like I am, it's just making your head hurt. It's like make a decision already and start to move forward with what this nonsense is going to be moving forward. Whether you're going to take Russ and the money or try to figure out a way to get rid of him and get Kyrie to LA, who knows? But, you're not going to be able to do this without a coach that can construct a blueprint and a roadmap. So get on with it. Okay. Boston, Miami. Well, this looked like when we last talked, I was, you know, kind of wondering about Miami. And the next night when I was watching, you know, the debut of Lane United for the year and missed that game somehow. No, it's actually not the debut. It was actually the watch party. I think it was the debut first game of the season. What am I talking about here? Blah, blah, blah. Um, Anyway, somehow Miami won and gave me that false sense that they could make a series out of this. But after watching them essentially lay eggs in games four and five, even if they somehow win, there's no way. I mean, Jimmy Buckets... It's so banged up, you know that whole the the old saying about having the piano on his back, dude. He's got like a Hammond B three that he's carrying on his back. You know, he just has, he just doesn't have it. The team's banged up, you know. Hero not being able to, to to go, even Bam. They all just look broken down. Not as you know. Obviously, this is even worse than how they kind of broke down in that Lakers series his the championship series, in the, in the um, bubble a couple of years back. But yeah, it's great run by the Heat, always off the radar, but in the end, not healthy enough to be able to get past this Boston team. And so on the other side of the equation then, you know, it's the same story. Luca couldn't do it by himself. When they were able to take a game and maybe, you know, give us hope that we'd get some basketball through the weekend, but, you know, after taking Game 4 in Dallas and getting back to the Chase Center last night, you saw Luka too, right? Just no more legs. You know, that little funky thing he does in the lane, you could just tell. The chair had been pulled up, <laughs> had been pulled from, you know, behind him, and there's just nothing there. And you can just see just his legs are gone. And to be a team like the Warriors... You gotta be able to go tip for a tad. and if you're clanking from the outside, you're just not gonna beat them, you know. Right? Not rocket science there, you know. It was a good run, and you know, I saw the frustration on Cuban's face, but I was like, bro, you gotta somehow figure out a way to to, to make that team a, a tad more competitive, you know. Whatever you have to put around Luca, because if not, this is the same thing, you know. Maybe. They get to the conference finals, you know, or maybe they revert back like Portland did after making, you know, a long run or two, you know, right. But never getting any further. And, you know, obviously Phoenix is flawed. The Lakers are flawed. The Clippers are flawed. You know, the Warriors, they are who they are. And we know, but they're getting a little longer in the tooth, although it's obviously clear. They can make they can make the transition, right, with the pieces they have. But in terms of Dallas, you're going to have to, like, Denver as well with a Joker. You're going to have to get some better pieces. You know, same thing with the situation in, in uh, Utah as well, right? With, with, with Phoenix, I don't know. Anyway, what was up with the rain delay? Uh, game four. It's like, come on, come on, Mr. Shark Tank. Uh, you know, you always talk about running a first class, everything. And I'm sitting here like watching them hang up this tarp and rain coming down in your facility. I'm just like, what? what's up with that, man? I don't know. So speaking of the Warriors, okay. Going to their sixth final in eight years. You know, obviously that's going to put them, you know, in the conversation of great teams in NBA history, for sure. You know, obviously, the two losses, you know, there's something to be said about that. But then again, you know, this, obviously, this would be going for their fourth win in this run. Um, What do you think of Perkins, you know, Perk, Kendrick Perkins, he was talking trash, as he always does. He was asserting that, if another title in an NBA finals MVP, that would put Mr. Curry, the chef, on the NBA's Mount Rushmore. I was like, say what? And you all got the thinking about it, and I still say, say what? I mean, I just love how people who claim they're students of the game and understand how to take history in its totality as far as being able to wait what was going on then compared to now. <coughs> as the fighting as Curry has been, I'm not seeing it yet. Maybe if they went back-to-back here or two other X three, I might change my mind. But for me to say that he's going to be on the NBA Mount Rushmore, not quite. I mean, there's too many other people that I think, and yeah, Six finals in eight years is pretty impressive. And if they get a fourth win in that time, yeah, I mean, he gets some honorable mention, but he wouldn't get on my Mount Rushmore. Okay, folks, we'll be back with a night full of diamonds and a little NHL playoff update on the other side. Welcome back to Foxtruk and a Foxhole. Faithful host here, Ken Harlan. Now it's time for a little bit of that nightfall of diamonds and a trip around the ice rink of life in our Zamboni. We'll start with a little nightfall of nightfall of diamonds. Well, that one of the intro you know, we'd be remiss to bring up the tragic events that happened down in Texas this past week. Um, you know obviously a lot of other forums that can get into more detail as far as what did or didn't happen and what should happen moving forward. And the sports world definitely took to the social media platforms to get the message out. I thought it was kind of neat that the Yankees and the Rays instead of talking about the game and hyping up the, those teams with cheesy tweets as a lot of the social media footprint is during game time. they spent the evening educating their followers on the impacts of gun violence as far as you know the cities and the people that are left behind to pick up the pieces. And yeah, just just in general trying to bring out some awareness that it was really cool. And what happened this week, you know, that the team's trying to do the right thing, as, I did, as opposed to, you know, I mean, everybody's outraged. You start talking about, you know, these last two shootings and the, the targets and the last one being little children and, you know, whatever the response may or may not been, yeah, people are up in arms. And so it's good to see our sports teams and, and uh, STARS really come out and take a stand on this because, you know, we cannot have people shooting up kids. Um, MLB. Warren Warned again, and this goes back to our whole bad behavior narrative that we always speak to. Um, Apparently, the female employees get in the short shaft subject to toxic environments, uh, substandard I know, I want to say, you know, when I was reading the article, when it's just it, it, in terms of the kind of support that they get, you know, and that can be, you know, whether it's physical, that's, you know, computers and all that kind of stuff, it's just counseling and mentoring, it's pretty substandard according to this report. And while I'm rambling here, it ties back into everything else I've been saying about the bad behavior narrative and these leagues really need to watch it because Congress already with you know the ongoing stuff that's been happening in the NFL for the last two years, and what you've seen in the NWSL, what you've seen in the WNBA, pretty much all the sports and the message is not getting clear. And if you get Congress involved, it's not gonna be good. And MLB becoming the latest, this is sort of like, hey, y'all need to like clean this up or we'll do it for you. Okay. Now, I was talking about earlier, the whole thing with uh, Josh uh, Donaldson being on the COVID-19 list. Well, it's more about this whole thing of him, you know, calling the guy on the White Sox Jackie. And somehow that's racist. I mean, he, had, he even had to... He wouldn't apologize to the Robinson family and, you know, the, the, the legendary, lovely Rachel Robinson. Now, while I didn't think calling somebody Jackie was out of line, and I'm still trying to figure out what brought this about, I mean, I ran into it. It still makes no sense to me, okay? Because I'd be telling you now if I if I understood it. And furthermore, La Russa, uh, who, you know obviously is sober enough to be angry and raise a stink about it um you know the whole scene you know with the Yankees and the white sox what you know another side showed that baseball needs to get some eyeballs aside from the people that are at the ballpark yeah 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 um but this whole thing it became a big to do to the point where the white sox I mean the white sox um just the Yankees basically said hey we're gonna put you uh, you know, you say you have COVID and let this thing die down. Wrong use for the COVID list, I—I might add. But what, whatever the case, the whole thing seems just so silly to me. It, it just does. And um, okay, I think I suspended the game as well. So, you guys out there, if you're gonna like try to get cute, think about the consequences. Okay. Some positive news here. Um, Steven Strasburg strikes out three in a short rehab stint. Looks like he might be returning to the mound for the Nats. They could use him because they've been off to a not so pleasant start here in 2022. Yeah. So let's see here. What else do we have? So if you don't know, what was it? Tuesday night, I think it was. Giants and the Mets 13 12. Can you imagine what kind of series we'd have if those two would meet in the playoffs? Which is, you never know what could happen, but if that's a sample, yes, you know, sign me up for some of that. A lot of exciting stuff there. How about the A's? Ending a 13-game losing streak to the Mariners on Tuesday night as well. I got to thinking. I mean, the Mariners beating anybody 13 times in a row is amazing. And to the, the A's losing to the Mariners 13 times in a row might even be more astounding. Yeah, the things you find out during the week. But, because uh, I was asking my friends up in Seattle, I'm like, dude, does anybody even care about the Mariners? And I'm like, yeah, you know, people still have M's fever. It's just nobody cares outside of, of, of the Puget Sound unless they're doing something. And other than, you know, making a little noise last year, it's been a while for that squad. Hey, yeah, just call it the way I see it. Okay, what about the power rankings? Uh, right now, you're looking at the Dodgers at 1, Yankees 2, Stros 3, Mets 4, and surprising the fool's goal that they are, Padres at 5, until they prove me otherwise. Oh, good grief. Before I talk a little NHL, did you see the latest City Connect uniforms? This time the Rockies unveiling theirs. I'm sorry, they just look like you know, somebody spent too much money on some fancy softball uniforms that missed the mark. I mean, that's just my aesthetic of it all. You tell me otherwise. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Um, okay, Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll get ourselves out of here before we move on to the beautiful game live. So, last night, Oilers, take care of the Flames. Send all those people wearing those cool Red jerseys home in silence as McDavid's late winner in overtime takes care of business, and the Oilers win the series four games to one. Got a big game tonight as St. Louis is clinging to life as we head to game six in St. Louis tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see, what else do we have here? The Canes are holding a 3-2 lead over the Never Say Die Rangers. Although, I think the, the sand in the hourglass would be getting short on the Rangers. And by the way, it's the, the Avs are up 3-2 on the Blues. I forgot to add that part of it. You know, pretty contentious series going on with there as well. And then you have the defending champs. We just... Going for a three-peat and sweeping Florida, sending the, the Panthers back to the shore... They have to be probably the least talked about team that's going for a three-peat that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I know hockey's not the glamorous sport. never has been, you know, even when Edmonton and the Islanders were racking up all those championships, the Penguins. But still, for a team going for a three-peat and just completely never moving the needle, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd probably have no idea they were going for a three-peat. But here they are, after another sweep. All right, folks, we'll be back with a beautiful game life on the other side. Welcome back to Fox in the Foxhole. Time for that segment where we look at what's going on pitch side offside. Haha, look at this. I'm watching on around the horn these Rockies uniforms, and yes, it looks like somebody who spent too much money on softball uniforms that just do not hit the mark. Just me, not liking it. Okay, beautiful game live. So the stutter. Of you know, the last weekend of competition in Europe, always a fantastic day full of drama and beautiful scenes the pitch sides. It was pretty much absurd at the beginning of the day when Mr. Mbappé finally made the announcement that everybody in the football world had been waiting for. He's staying in Paris. And what an upset it is. So much to say about this, but I'm not going to go too overboard. You know, obviously, I have my own skin in the game as far as that's concerned about what I wanted to see for my, my favorite club, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, the Fallout is just insane. From the Madristas just being livid, Bobby's everything but a child of God, Mr. Tebas, La Liga Head, trying to take Action against PSG, just acting like a petulant four-year-old basically. And you know, just in general, that somehow this <laughs> outfit in Paris can can lure away Messi Neymar and keep Mbappe from going to Spain. And with Ronaldo gone, yes, as we've said quite a bit on this podcast. There is a lack of star power in La Liga, and TBS is losing his mind to the point where I mean, he always does this, but there seems to be a lot more rancor as far as his rant is concerned. And that, uh, it was something, you know, right? As we follow this story, and you know that at one point, Real, even though Killian could have left Paris on a free offered $200 million to get this over with because they knew the pull of staying in his home club might be too strong. And in the end, yes, PSG probably did offer a lot. Leonardo's gone. <laughs> okay, I'm sure Pancicino's on his way out. But as Kylianna said, it wasn't completely all about the money, right, that even though he has a special relationship with Madrid. He is a Paris kid. And yes, Real Madrid and its 13 UCLs and 35 La Liga titles. Sure, having him is great, but they already have a legacy. But to be able to win the first UCL and all the great things he can do for France, it's bigger for France for Mbappé to stay. I know the hardcore Madridistas don't want to believe that, or even conceive that, but that's really what it comes down to. Okay. But so we'll be talking about this in the weeks to come as far as the Madridistas and their bitter reaction. Lewandowski still insisting he does not want to return to Munich, even though he is still under contract. Well, I have a feeling he will end up in Spain. because In order for Spain to somehow save face, after what's transferred, not to mention Mr. Halan ending up in Manchester City. Yeah, I would say some way possible, given the financial instability, supposedly, of the big clubs in Spain. But, like, Lee was, he says he's had enough. He definitely has had his time in Germany, you know, obviously, with Dortmund before and now this, you know, run which produced a Champions League title during the pandemic for Bayern Munich. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. Mo Salah says he's staying at Anfield as they prepare for Champions League final tomorrow against the aforementioned Real Madrid. All eyes of the world will be focused, tuned in, whatever you want to say about that. The cool thing that happened as far as USMT players, one Weston McKinney getting back on the pitch and finishing the season, looking like he'll be ready to go when it comes time for the summer qualifiers. But how about Mr. Brendan Aronson? That's right. After Leeds United starves off relegation, and March decides to bring somebody he, the man he coached at Red Bull Salzburg. Or, up to the Premier League. So he'll be playing for Leeds United next year in the upper tier. Wonderful stuff as we want to see all of our domestic kids who are playing in Europe get meaningful minutes, you know, as we get closer to the World Cup later this year and ultimately the one in 2026 that will be here. That was a lot. Okay, pitch side. We had the first ever final for the Nations League. And sure it up, as much as we pick on Jose, there's Jose. That's right, the chosen one, lifting another trophy. as Roma, takes out Fener, Rottingham, 1-0. Yeah, it was great scenes over there. It was in, it was in um, God, what country was that in? See, I'm already drawing a blank here in my mind. Armenia, was, no, it wasn't Armenia, Albania. Yes, a lot of great scenes there. I'm sure you know, it was midday, of course, CBS Sports Network didn't have it. I had to watch it on TUDN. Wasn't happy about that. So, um, last day of EPL, Manchester City rallies from two down to snatch the title from the Reds who thought they were about to pounce on it. But no sorry, Pep puts another EPL title in the trophy case. Yeah, great scenes. Obviously, in Manchester City. Okay, what else do we have? You know, obviously, tough for Burnley getting regulated. You saw it coming. Folks in Blackburn basically peeing on themselves that they'll get to, be, they'll get to play the Dingles a couple of times next year and the financial plight that they're in. Okay, then we've got, over in Syria, the Rossoneri when they're first Scudetto since 2010. Stop. Salatan stole the show, obviously, you know, being the, the person that he is and kept it going all week, talking about how he played the season without any ACL. He does have a tap surgery and he will be out for eight or nine months. And at 40, it's always a question. But with Salatan, you don't question the Salatan. We'll see him again. So his question is where? Um, okay. What do we have here? Major party at the Park de Prince, obviously with the Mbappe signing. He drops a hot trick, which, you know, was surreal. I think the bigger, um, joyous, and also bittersweet moment was the send-off for Angel Di Maria as he's played his last game for Paris. Great scenes, you know, just the tears. He was able to score a goal in his final game for the park. Uh, you know, just the fans. You know, I'll get to that in the, mi- in the next segment. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting moment in Paris. As PSG wraps up, you know, it had already won the title, but the coronation. Uh, okay, what else do we have here? You know, the games will begin, right? MLS. LAFC got a big win on the road, came from behind in the rain to take Columbus, so they retake the top position, which is kind of a, you know, a a byproduct of the Verde. That's right, Austin FC only being able to muster a draw against nine-man Orlando City at the Cube 2 The Rebs bring Cincinnati back to earth about time. Tough loss for them at the TQL. The TQL, Nashville and Five Stripes Drew at the new crib, Music City. Um, enter stuns Red Bull New York at home, which I thought was pretty eye-opening. The Rapids made it 23 in a row unbeaten at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Is Seattle still trying to awaken from the Moet Blues after winning SCCL? Um, You know, the Galaxy, I thought, took a very bad loss at Houston. More on the Galaxy here in a second. Union get an impressive win late at Portland, as we thought Portland had turned the corner, but, you know, not quite. Uh, New York City taking care of business and 32KC Charlotte take down the Whitecaps. Okay, Open Cup round of 16 the other night. A lot of crazy stuff happens. So we had Nashville City fitting off a very stubborn Louisville City 11. Great showing there from the USL Championship squad. You have Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, come on. <laughs> Orlando City advances on penalties over Inter. So great, you know. So. Up and down week there for Orlando City. Red Bull New York, up and down week. Is have a trouble in the league, but in the cup they handle their business, taking out Charlotte 3-1. Big story, Union Omaha, the USL 1 squad. That's right, the third tier, knocking out the loons to keep their magic run alive. New York City takes out the Rebs an extra time. Sporting Kansas City still showing improved form, rally to take out Houston. And here's the big one: uh, an El Trafico, much Hollywood beforehand in the US Open Cup. The Galaxy smacks LAFC down 3-1. Hardcore stuff if you're an LFC fan. I'll have a little bit more about that in a closer look. But yes, the Galaxy move on to the next round: LAFC. Once again, going home in the quiet. And also, the Quake 74 getting knocked out by USL Championship side Sacramento Republic. So yeah, tough night for some MLS teams in the U.S. Open Cup. Okay. And then lastly, got you know I'm going to the Lane United game tonight. Home opener against Capital FC. Checked out their opener on the road last week against newly minted Ballard FC. Not good gave up my five goals. He scored one right as I got out to you know unlock my bike go figure. But yeah, I'm looking forward to checking this out later tonight. All right folks, we'll be back with a closer look on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trading in a Fox All right, one of my favorite segments where we take some time to rant, analyze, editorialize, another closer look. So this week, what is what's the, one of my themes? Big money, big ambition, and who should be able to wield that power in sports, whether it's soccer, NCAA, or international competitions. I'll start off with the beautiful game life and the sense, you know, what I was talking about with with Mbappe and Real Madrid or when it comes to Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea. You know, these teams that have the traditional histories and how cranky they get when someone like a PSG – has the audacity to have as much ambition as they do. It's like, and and, and the loyalists, especially when it comes to football proper, who fall on the sword about, well, how, how dare you turn your back on a great club with such great traditions? Like, nobody's supposed to have ambition. And it's the same thing, you know, going back to this whole thing with Jimbo and Nick. Where right, all of them clapping hard. Dion clapping back. You're right? you're the only one that can be good and win national championships. If the rest of us show ambition, we're cheating. We're flaunting financial fair flair, <laughs> financial fair play, as it is over in European soccer. I think it's really interesting this mindset that we've that we've sort of you know allowed the flagship franchises of, you know, any major sport get and the fan bases. And not just the fans of those teams, but kind of the more knowledgeable fans that sort of uphold, you know, the traditions and the, and the lore of the league, as, you know, as far as fandom is concerned. And the media, you know, definitely takes part. You know, yobs like Jamie Carragher, you know, right, and their agendas. But it's just like really interesting to watch over time, and you could pick any particular sport and sort of see that. It's just not necessarily confined to the beautiful game life. But I think it's it really illuminates there. It also does in college sports as well. I know, living here in Eugene, that those of us who are have just—I mean, I was there as a fan for myself. I should say, not shouldn't include everybody else. I was a fan when I, when I was in grad school, and since I left grad school, more as an observer, and kind of watching, you know, what Phil Knight um, and his money have has allowed to flourish, where it's kind of the blueprint for what schools that want to be in the big time should follow, and sort of the resentment and the sort of laughter when when. Oregon does not fulfill, you know, a particular objective. And that would be, in this case, winning a national championship in basketball or football. But that sort of, well, how dare Phil Knight spend the money to allow Oregon that was just middle of the road before, you know, the hardcore investment to now being a power? You know, like, once again, gee, only Alabama, USC... Ohio State and Michigan are the only schools that should, have, should be a lot of ambition. And while I'm not a big fan of the NIL transfer, transfer portal universe because of the chicanery that's going on there, it, I do agree with some of the folks in the WSM that and there is a leveling going on here. Or at least folks that have resources can go out and buy for the top talent and no longer get in trouble for it. And I think that's why you're seeing this hostility start to rise among the coaches, among the boosters, among the general fan bases. So we're heading for some interesting stuff. Okay. Let me flip the switch here at the halfway point of this segment. The modern meltdown in sports. Fan bases. Now, for me, I'm, I can tell the story through the lens of a couple of teams that I follow. And I hear, I, you like know, he always says he doesn't want to talk about his teams, but he always does. And as I always say, the two teams I root for are very compelling in terms of, well, the teams I root for for some reason are very compelling in that they create a national buzz and their fan bases, for the most part, are more psychotic than most. It, the fact that these Clubs and teams are talked about shows it's just not me. It is what it is. That said, so I was talking about the LAFC's loss to the Galaxy the other night in the U.S. Open Cup, and it just brought up all kinds of interesting questions. A, as you know, I am a huge proponent of the U.S. Open Cup. As I've said, I think it is the best competition in all of American sports. Not even close, to me anyways. I think other people if they understood what was going on and saw what Union Omaha did the other night they would at least, if not agree have a conversation and go yeah those are some good points to be made. Now in LAFC's case as they've been the darling franchise since coming into the league in 2018 along with Atlanta United in 2017 is how to do things right entering the league and being competitive right off the bat. Only problem, it's 2022, and what do they have to show for it? The Supporters Shield, which is great, but the Supporters Shield, we ain't in Europe, so it doesn't carry as much weight. It's not like winning the MLS Cup. It's not like winning SCCL, like Seattle just did. And it's not winning the Open Cup, which I feel winning the Open Championship in the United States should be a bigger deal than it is. And people like myself and others, we're gonna hopefully make sure that's the case moving forward. Um, watching our fan base melt down, though, was something was truly magical. Okay, it, it just because at this point, the the the, the lust for a cup. Now, you see this much more in the beautiful game life. I I, I get the feeling in terms of, I don't know, but in terms of how you're validated by, by being able to be a champion and when you don't, right? Flip side of it, PSG and its lofty ambitions. You know, because these two segments kind of tie together. Like, well, on the one hand, PSG is not allowed to have lop, lofty ambitions, but when they do not meet those ambitions, the fallout, which what well, like their ultras. Basically flipping the banner upside down, not being silent for the whole match, walking out when they clinched the title a few weeks ago. We had folks, you know, wanting the call for a, bo- a boycott of L.A.F.C. after losing to the Galaxy. And believe me, when it comes to losing an El Tráfico, right as, you know, I get, I don't know, I don't want to get into New York City and Red Bull, New York. I just know that what we have going on in Los Angeles is more akin to the Europe, like you see in London, right? With the, or in Istanbul, where you have multiple big clubs. Uh, Manchester, right? You see that with the Galaxy and LAFC. And when you know anything about MLS, you know that the Galaxy is the flagship franchise of the MLS. And while they have been mediocre... It seems they always bring it when LAFC comes to town, and of course, Galaxy living rent free in the LAFC supporters' heads, and you know watching it all come out. Man, I was like sitting on this uh, Twitter space yesterday, just you know where they kind of created a forum for people to vent. It was in good taste because I think most of our fans are are, are class. But you could tell the frustration and the anger, and it just made me think about the segment about the, mo- the, the the angst of the modern fan base, and especially the investment. You know, listening to people talk about, bro, you don't understand the money we put into tickets, away days, the booze, the gear, and all that kind of stuff. And time again, as like in LAFC's case where when it's time to deliver in a moment where a cup can be won or a major competition, this team has folded. And the frustration that you see it. And it's the same thing with PSG not being able to win Champions League over the you know 12 years or so that QSI has has been running this project. And watching the fan basis and how to me it's just kind of a prism of where we're going. I don't know if that says we're an empty society that so much is put into, you know, the success of these teams and clubs. But it's just interesting when things don't go your way and just kind of watching the meltdown and just seeing, you know, this mass of people. I mean, you know, when you're talking about, like, global brands. I mean, look at the whole thing with Manchester United. And basically, they're... (sighs) relentless campaign to oust the Glaziers. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, okay, they didn't have that successful of a year. And it's like people are basically ready to block the ground and just say, until we get a change. Seeing it a lot of places, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, (laughs) with this nonsense going on with the commanders, something similar. But yeah, the modern fan base is really interesting in terms of the kind of power... Um, that it wants to will and sort of does. I mean, I remember the beginning of the year, LAFC getting a lot of grief from some of its supporters, getting in Steve C's face, saying, we demand the cup. A- and, you know, right? people, I mean, I think the people that, were, that uh, complained about it were right. And I also think the supporters cut to a new coach that the was set high, telling him, hey, we want this now. And so when they were knocked out by their rival the other night, the disappointment definitely matched that moment. And, of course, people collecting receipts. Still a long ways to go. The LAFC's top of the uh, MLS table in the West. PSG won its league, so it's not the end of the world. But just goes to show you, even with that going on, the disappointment outshadows even, you know, what most teams would be happy about in partying, but some of these clubs, their ambitions are so high. As we said, on the one hand, people think that the novel reach don't have the right, but then the novel reach when they don't meet their end, they get pretty cranky as well. Okay, folks, we'll be back with the NFL beat, oh, the NFL report as we call it, to round things out and definitely some T M C A time. Right, welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Well, this is one of those Saturdays now where we have to have an addendum. Since I was out last night at the uh, Land United game, I didn't get a chance to like do a deep dive. And a lot of things happened, which would make no sense to release the podcast. And some of the things I talked about would be contradicted. So, here is the addendum. So, what do we have? Jimmy Buckets goes for 47, 9, and 8 to keep the Heat alive, forcing a game seven on Sunday. Well, what can I tell you? A, just like last week when I was at the Reds watch party and I missed the last time Miami won, the same thing happened last night. So I don't know really what to say other than if Miami should figure out a way to have me be busy tomorrow tomorrow afternoon, so I can't watch them somehow pull one out of their behind, as they did last night. But yes, there's going to be a Game 7 there, pretty exciting. And the other thing that we were talking about earlier, well, Laker Nation now has a coach, and apparently LeBron has bought in, as Darvin Ham will be the next coach of the Lakers. From all the Talking Heads conversations that I've been able to take in, and just what little I've talked with Laker fans, everybody seems to be happy about this. They feel like the roster definitely needs help for Ham to be successful. But for once, the Lakers are not being crumbed on for making a bad decision. Universally, people think this is a good job, a good hire akin to what Boston did with their hire. And you see how that's paying off dividends. But also everyone agrees that with the roster issues, a lot of work for in front of Darvin' Ham. But uh, we're really happy to see that he got the job. What else do we have? Oh, I think it's really interesting to see League One boss, Vincent Laboon clapping back at Mr. Javier Tebas, and basically saying that his comments are shameful and kind of make him look like a clown. And really pointing out some of the financial improprieties that are going on over in La Liga. Just basically telling him, dude, clean up your own house before you stop commenting on a player that was already in our league that resigned in our league. Good for him. Uh, let's see here. Oh Yeah. Avalanche, finish off the Blues, they will move on to face the Oilers. St. Louis put up a serious fight to extend the series, but in the end, the Avs get a late goal, and now this will be pretty exciting to watch Colorado and Edmonton square off. Okay, so one more point I need to... to I would uh, Speaking of the whole Miami-Boston series, did Draymond Green dig Golden State's grave by basically throwing... Dirt on the Heat's grave and saying it's not gonna matter because that's who we're, we're gonna be playing Voss in the finals. Maybe so. I the one thing we can say about Jimmy buckets, you better not sleep on the guy. So we'll see if the if if uh, Draymond's head talking with the uh, TNT crew comes back to bite him in the butt, especially if somehow Miami survives Game Seven, which in a weird way I think they will. Okay. So, getting ready to flip the channel here, this is watching some USFL, notice I have nothing to say about that league these days, I'm trying to watch a game, but it's UCL time, they're actually going to give an hour and a half pre-game shows, so that's gonna, that's pretty nice, the CBS, as far as it's, have, you know, having the rights, CBS, Paramount, not that whole nonsense, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it anyways, quit rambling, what is your pick? Well, I'm going to have to go with Liverpool. That's my, my gut feeling, but the reality is I'm not bidding against Real Madrid. Not what they've done in this Champions League run. I just feel that after what happened to them with Mbappe and everything else going on, not to mention when you can knock out PSG, Chelsea, and Manchester City, and if you get Liverpool truly a murderer's row... You know, one of the greatest runs probably in, in the competition. So, I think Real Madrid's going to win, although I'm pulling for Liverpool. But yeah, I think the Madristas are going to have a party tonight. Uh, lastly, so, how did my night out at Civic Park go? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the, Land United played a lot better last night against a opposition that historically has been pretty good. You know, Capital FC, formerly known as a trip, well... Started out as Capital FC, became Timbers 23, and now the Timbers kind of abandoned them, so now they're Capital FC again. I thought to uh, Lane United Kids, even though it, it seemed, you know, there was a talent gap, they had their opportunities, for a much better showing. I think you folks should get out to Civic Park, check the Reds out. Great experience. We'd love to have you, and hopefully one of these days we'll be able to get enough support that we can move up to USL1. All right, folks, we'll be back on the other side with the NFL Report. All right, folks, let's get you out of here with a little NFL report and some TMCA time. Sun's starting to creep its way out, making me very enthusiastic for the Lane United home opener. Capital FC, 7 o'clock, Civic Park for you local folks. Oh, maybe too late, but go to the next home game. Definitely, I'll be hyping it up on my... Facebook page and on the Fox track and a Fox hole page. All right, let's do some NFL report. So where shall I start? Let's start with this one. How about the NFL coach and front office accelerator program? Window dressing are real progress towards diversifying the league's workplace. Also, an initiative has been launched to simultaneously provide training and mentoring to trainers and other support positions. Well, I'm going to go somewhere in between on this, right? Because it's really easy to get into the cynical way of questioning the NFL when it tries to address the workplace with minorities and women. I do, like I talked about the the Vikings assistant last week wanting to, you know, hold a little seminar a seminar, this is in the same vein that, hey, getting the conversation and getting people circulated for one can't be a bad thing, especially if it's on your dime, <laughs> for for one. And I think making an attempt at these at getting the knowledge, the networking, and the expectations. And pretty much just given a roadmap on how to do it, that's far more valuable than than forcing teams to hire somebody they may be forced into, or going through the charade of a hiring process where you know these people probably are going to get hired. Now, if you have if these people are mentored and trained correctly, it also you know makes it a lot more competitive. You know, it's kind of the downside to that, but I think it's the only way you can get these faces in front of folks who make the hiring decisions and, you know, can be influenced by what they see, especially since the league is sincerely trying to drive this. Should some cynicism exist on this? Hell yeah. But for now, I'm going to be an optimist. Okay. You have the Raiders hosting, that's right, Colin Kaepernick in a workout this week. Don't want to be too cynical here because there are there's a historical precedence we've spoke about when it comes to the Raiders and outlaws, and we know that Mark Davis has spoken in the past about giving him an opportunity, but it does hearken back to well, if you're signing him now at 34, why didn't you sign him a couple of years ago? If you're on the other side of it a league that blackballed you and you had all these bad things to say and you're making this documentary with Spike Lee and others who have incendiary things to say about the league. Why is this going about? Yes, quarterbacks are making a big bag and you want some of that, but the whole thing just is nutty that he'd be getting a tryout now and possibly signed. Does he get signed? Does that guarantee anything? No. He obviously gave Carr a, a real big bag, and we just saw with TiVo. Bringing this guy around because you think he could be a good locker room guy? Man, yeah, I'm over that kind of nonsense. Stop it. So I don't really know what the end game on either side is. There are some that say with Chucky's lawsuit coming up, the Raiders are trying to get ahead of that and have some good press and get people on their side because Chucky's trial versus the Raiders and Goodell is going to get ugly, and a lot of... Sneaky diapers are going to be laid out on the table in the, in the Vegas sun. And you know that can't be a pretty thing. Just saying. Okay. And speaking of Jackie's lawsuit, NFL tries to get it thrown out. Just says, hell no. I want to hear those tawdry details. Moving forward, get your popcorn ready for that. So a report says that injuries are up 50% on punts. In recent seasons. Is this something the league should be concerned about? Yes, it should be. And its ongoing push to promote player safety, and people like myself thinking it's kind of watered the game down, that if this is another area that if you feel the injuries are up for 50%, and a lot of it could be because of COVID and other things in terms of practice time and schedule flexibility, I don't think so. I just think it's inevitable the amount of high-speed collisions that are going to happen, and the faster and stronger these guys are. It's inevitable. It's just one of those things you either accept as a part of the game or you find a way to get rid of it as far as transfer position. Definitely would make the game less exciting, but if the evolution is to make it safer, then it might make sense to definitely revisit that. I wouldn't be for that myself, but it wouldn't shock me if that's where we're heading towards. Ah, the NFL meeting this week. Discussions are what to do with the Pro Bowl. You got any suggestions? I don't. I mean, I think it's a waste of time. Half for years. I mean, we're talking years I mean, we might even talk. We might even be going back to like the late '90s or early odds since I gave a blank about the poor Bowl, and having a skills competition the week before the Super Bowl when everybody doesn't care isn't going to like move the needle. I think it would be a great event for people to go travel to, like it used to be in Hawaii, and it's just a great like the draft is. But maybe you could do that, you know, a couple of weeks in February. February. And just have everybody there. And turn, but why? I mean, I think it would be good for the families. And like I said, people who've got the coin to roll up and get interviews and get that great IG snap. But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, that, that thing should have been buried a long time ago. Um, You know, I know traditionalists are, are still hanging on. But as Shannon Sharp said, it's unwatchable. And I'm like saying, dude, it's been unwatchable almost going back to when you played. It's right. Nobody tackles. It's just, you know, it's not even a glorified 7-7 seven and seven game. Speaking of the league meetings, apparently the Tomahawks are aiming for Teflon Don- Dan again, Dan Snyder. Does anything actually happen? I have no idea. Every time I think nothing will happen, um this thing oozes from the ground and the tomahawk missiles are, are aimed. I do think if, if it's a shoddy way of trying to take ownership from him, he's gonna fight back. And like this checky lawsuit, this is gonna expose a lot of skeletons and a lot of rot under the bark. So everyone be careful, you know, as far as the ground you tread there. Big talk about the stadium as the as the Commanders apparently have spent a hundred million dollars to for land for a concept stadium to be built out somewhere in suburban Virginia. Either it's what is it Woodbridge or Dumfries. A lot of complaints there, but then again, as I always say to people, if you live in the West Coast. Oh, most folks. I mean, the trend, yes, is a, a stadium in a city would be more ideal. But we know that's kind of hard now, especially in D.C. With the, you know, If you're going to build the hub, you need space. And you also need, you know, a state and a municipal government that's willing to, like, give you all kinds of deals and make it happen. So keep an eye on that. But not too many people are happy about that. Folks in Maryland are like, yeah, when can I get on the Ravens' wagon? Okay. Deshaun, speaking of Maryland, I mean, now that he's... I don't, what did I say? Anyways, we're talking about Deshaun Cleveland. Excuse me. We're all over the place here. His, Deshaun Watson's accusers come out on HBO and say his contract and the NFL's handling of the situation is a total slap in the face. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you, you've got people who are doing damage control. Trying to, you know, make it out to, there's a misunderstanding here. Women are just like, oh no, this dude's a bad dude. And you all giving him, you know, the most ridiculous contract. It says volumes about what a shitty league you guys are upholding here. Still haven't figured out what kind of suspension Deshaun's looking at. Yeah, interesting situation with this guy. I don't know, you know, what to make if, you don't have any charges. You know, there's that conduct policy and the code of conduct. Anyway, so in another weird twist of fate, how about Nick Foles going to back up Matt Ryan? I'm thinking, okay, Nick Foles, you're not really a starter anymore even though you have a ring, unlike a lot of people in this league, and you're going to back up Matt Ryan. And, yeah, the whole situation with Indianapolis, with Carson Wentz going to the aforementioned commanders, this yeah, it just gets odder by the minute. Obviously, it's another reunion of an Eagle quarterback with Frank Reich, so it makes sense from that perspective. If you're Matt Ryan, you're probably like, why are you bringing him over here? Sidarius Smith, former Packer, now Viking, calling out a raj Something we should look forward to? Well, if I cared about who Sidarius Smith is, I suppose, but until... Hey, how about that guy of the Niners? Fighting with the guy on Twitter, calling him small dick and triple balls. Jeez, I didn't even have time to even write about that. Another thing weirds me out. What about Tyreek Hill trying to pump up Tua? Man, if you have to work this hard to sell everybody that the guy's good, you know, let it, his play on the field when you guys are bringing up those touchdowns in South Beach, speak for themselves. Ryan Tannehill doing the walkabout. Yeah, I mean, of course, you don't want everybody to think you're a dick, but you pretty much are a dick for coming out and, you know, trying to act tough in terms of mentoring Malik. Yeah, you know. Damage control. That it made him look weaker. Everybody is suddenly loading up on the on, on the balls. Is that the kiss of death for San, Die- uh, San Diego? Get okay, grave for the Los Angeles Chargers? Might be. I've always been worried about this team being another one of those like I've I've spoken about golfers and NBA teams that has a lot of potential that always remains unfulfilled. We'll be keeping an eye on that because they definitely need to take the next leap. Then we'll close on this one before TMCA time. Don't you just get tired of what we call the OTA shadow dance and the need for drama? Now, okay, these people who don't want to participate in OTAs because it's their off season and they just want to chill with their baby down there in Cozumel or in Cannes or wherever hip it is, they spending their money, and their babies looking for their best life, posting pictures of her hot self on IG. But you know this whole idea of like, well, he's not showing, he's he's not showing up, and he's just setting a bad example for his teammates and all that stuff, right? You know, it's kind of why this stuff's kind of voluntary. The folks who are trying to get more money or trying to get a little renegotiation in. Yeah, it's kind of that power play, but they really don't feel like working out right now. And that we, I shouldn't say we, but the media, the sports media, loves to somehow create drama and somehow, you know, ignite the fan bases about what ungrateful players they are for not wanting to participate. Yeah, I just think it's so unnecessary. Okay, let's lead that into some TMCA time, you know, where we give up the stainless steel Bulls of the smelly varieties for people whose actions during the week were deserving, or if you're just that, if you're just that person, the fools that attacked Ashton Villa via Ashton Villa players, even the even Noel Gallagher had his nose busted following Manchester City wrapping up the EPL title last week at the Etihad. Come on, folks. You know, are they going to have the band pitch storming right because of the safety? I mean, it was bad. I mean, the referee was at peril. All kinds of stuff, you know. uh, Some of the Villa players, one of the guys got injured as well. I know the soccer community was appalled. Bad look. Enjoy winning the EPL trophy. Shouldn't that be enough? Do you have to act a fool? throwing cheap shots at people? Ugh. I think the fans hurling racist taunts and threats to Av Center, A. Zim Kadri. Same story. Yeah, it was unfortunate the injury caused, but let's not get racial. Let's not threaten the man. Let's not threaten his faith. Come on, people. Be better. Um, I'm going to give one out to... Let me see here. So we're going to give the uh, Manchester City fans... We're just going to give them an XL. they will give them two because that was stupid. We'll give the... Fans, you know, hu- hu- hurling the racist taunts to the Nazeem. We'll give them two as well. No place for that. I'm going to get complimentaries on this one. I'm going to agree with Kirk Street the idiots that yell after every tee shot, especially at major championships, to serve one. It was funny 50 years ago. Now, no! It's just like, okay, you're going to do it anyways. And they made Kurt Street out to be in some, you know, boomer slash ex-wire who just needs to, like, you know, sip on his Johnny Walker blue and be quiet. No, I think he's got a point there. Um, okay. XL for sure for Javier Tibas the leader of La Liga, acting like a petulant bitch over the Mbappe snub and just going to all lengths to just show what a power what freak he is. You know, complaining, you know, calling PSG everything but the devil when he was part of the same group that tried to lead the breakout. But somehow PSG is destroying football. Wonderful. Yeah, you get an XL. Um, I'm going to have to give the Calgary Stampede an XL. Stainless steel bowl of the smelliest varieties. For suspending Brandon Langley. For dotting that airline attendant's eye. I don't know if you saw this viral. Where the airline uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. There was an altercation. Airline attendant was talking shit. And Langley lit him up like a Christmas tree. Well, the stampede apparently thought that was unbecoming. So now he has to be suspended. I guess that that was bad. I think we're going to give two XLs to that Karen that was harassing the, the Clippers' Norman Powell at the gym. What is wrong with you racist idiot Karens and especially telling an NBA player to go back to Africa. What the hell is wrong with you? Okay. Two XLs as well for the clown that stole the ball that Aaron judge gave to the kid at Yankee stadium earlier this week. People quit sucking so much. What the hell? Taking a kid out, taking a ball out of the kid's glove. Yeah. You, you. Okay. Okay. Then we'll just give a regular size because this kind of sucks, but it's still kind of funny. Corey Ziedman, the 2012 World Series of Poker bracelet winner, getting convicted in a $25 million sports betting scheme. $25 million? Dude, what what kind of Tony Soprano shit did you have going on? All right, folks, somehow we've gotten to the end. 107 of these now in the can. We'll probably be back in seven or eight days as always. As I said before, the numbers are going up, and this is going to be the summer of fun in the sun. So be careful. Be sane. Please have as many adult beverages and other kinds of fun that you can have. If you're local, get your ass out to the Lane United game tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. You won't know that. Go to the next home game. Anyways, we'll see you in about a week or so.